Does life sometimes feel like a game that you're trying to play? And the rules keep changing? Maybe a sense of alienation or loneliness makes you wonder why you're even trying to play the game at all? Well, then you've come to the right place. You have found the frequency of the Enemy Patrol podcast. Please stand by for new directions. Over. This is the Anime Patrol Podcast, and I'm your very own reality scout, the Anomic Ranger. So sit down by the fire here, help yourself to a coffee, we're going to talk. Tell me something, think about this. If aliens were studying the Earth for the last 2,000 years, what do you think they'd see? What have they seen? What does society look like to them? They'd probably see the growth, both in population and in civilization. They'd see all the struggles and wars and disease and how we handled them all. They'd see, in the last 70 years though, things have really changed. That's what I want to talk about, the last 70 years. It's interesting how in the last of those last few years here, there's been a lot less struggling when you think about it. I know if you listen to the news and everything that, you know, <clears throat> people, or the news, I guess I should say, the mainstream media, the, the everything you read, it's like, oh, death and destruction, things are awful, things are horrible. But really, when you think about it, think about disease. Um, we're winning. Uh, I don't think we'll ever really win. There's always going to be people die of, of um, diseases and, and uh, sicknesses. But for the most part, we've eradicated some really, really bad ones. Uh, how about famine? You know, I remember when I was a kid, a famine was pretty common. You, I mean, it was on the other side of the world. It was, it was um, Africa or China or India. There was always those pictures of those starving kids. And yeah, there's still starving kid pictures today, but... Most all, more often than not, those starving kids are from more about politics than it really is about crop failure. How about pollution? Here's a big one. They would have you believe the the news media and the politicians, and they would have you believe that we are in a giant crisis for pollution. But you really want to think about that. Think about pollution in. Uh, say the 1960s or the 1970s, I remember I was a kid and, and my family took a bus trip down to Los Angeles and we got there during a smog alert. I mean, the sky was brown. Couldn't even hardly see the buildings. And then think about wars. You know, there's been lots of little brush wars and we see more of it than we used to because of the the embedded media and, and, the, and the news pictures, you know, the... The, the destruction and the, and the suffering comes right into your living room, right into your computer. You can look at it in real time almost. So really when you think about the world from a um, historical perspective and you look at some of the 
awful things that have happened. And you look at the world today, actually, we're, we've really improved. I think if those aliens were flying around and they were studying us, they'd say, you know what? I think maybe they might come around. There's way more of them on the earth and they're not all trying to strangle one another and they're not all dying of disease. So I don't know, something to think about how much the media wraps our heads around crisis, crisis, crisis all the time. Is that the source of the trepidation, the unrest? Because you see it all the time now. You know, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day. He's just a normal guy, works a job, has a family. And uh, we were talking about, I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember if it was Brexit or, I don't know, some other political thing. And it was amazing. I watched him. And there was a little bit of panic in his eyes when he was talking about it. And then he almost was agitated. Not really. I mean, for a guy like him, he was agitated. And, and as we talked, and then he started just shrugging and saying, well, what can you do? What can you do? That was his attitude. So it's kind of like everybody feels like they're standing on the edge of a river and the river is slowly eroding the soil underneath. That's the way everybody feels. You, you look at actually the world and, and we should be celebrating it, at how good everything is doing, how many people are being fed, uh, education is better. The, I mean, and all around the world, not, not just here, not just North America or, or Western civilization, but even Africa, if you look at the numbers, they're doing way better than they've ever been. And yet this attitude is everywhere. almost defies description. So I started digging. I started looking into it. I started studying it. Like, why is everybody feeling this way? And I looked at, you know, people say, oh, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it, it's the news media or it's the politics or it's, it's the uh, social media, it's uh, video games, it's guns. I mean, they want to, you know, just start, blaming something like that and i was looking for something a little bit more umbrella and i found the word anime and that's what we're going to talk about today it's an interesting word so i started digging into it and and i'm going to kind of follow a fairly loose format here for my very first podcast i'll just let you know that right now it's this is my very first podcast for the anime patrol and it's actually as the anomic ranger it's my very first podcast in fact just as a person it's my very first podcast i've heard people say that your very first podcast always sucks so i don't know i'm just gonna give her and i guess you be the judge So what is the result of anime? I know what everybody's asking. What is anime? Now, maybe before you started listening to this podcast, maybe you maybe you looked it up, what anime is. Well, the root word of anime is anomia. It means lawlessness. But it, they're not just talking about crime, though. When they talk about anime... <clears throat> 
Let me explain. Have you ever thought about when people are driving their cars and they come to an intersection and there's that big stop sign there and they just hit the brakes and they look both ways and then they go? That is like a, an agreement between everybody that when you see that sign, you'll stop. And the other side doesn't have a sign, so they keep going. It's like a, a glue that holds society together. It's like an agreement. Now, I know there's probably some folks out there that are thinking, well, yeah, that's, the sign's there, and if I go through it, I'll get a ticket. But no, 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 no. Look at some YouTube videos of countries, poor countries, different countries. They don't have signs at intersections. Everybody just treats it like an unsigned four-way stop. And the first one that gets to the intersection gets to go, and you watch some of these videos. It's fascinating because it's like the traffic just flows, but nobody hits one another. It's like an agreement an agreement that everybody's going to follow these rules and you just get used to it and and there's no policeman there. If there's an accident, well, I don't know. I guess they just fight it out. But it works. I mean, there's an agreement and it works. So think of enemy is when this glue starts to break down, this agreement between people and how important that agreement is. So what happens when it starts to break down? What does a society look like? Well, in the politics of a society, you start to get polarization. People start to draw away from one another. They start to take sides. They, they go to extremes. You get populist uprisings. One person will try and pull everybody into a certain way of thinking and people will flock to him just because, well, people like rules. People like orderliness. People like things to be, to work for them. What, hap what else happens in, in um, po politics? Well, you get corruption. Because what happens is people that are in the government, even lower end government, they start to feel like the rest of society is kind of, well, they're winking or condoning or don't care. And so the people that have a little bit of power, even a little bit of power, well, they start to say, what's in this for me? And pretty soon corruption starts to come up and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Okay, what about in the rest of society that's not political? What about just the general population? Well, you end up with fear and alienation. People start to worry. I mean, they're around people all the time. They see all these people. But they start to get scared that, that the agreement between people is starting to just, like, fall apart. So you get a lack of trust. You get a lack of trust between individuals, like even neighbors. And especially neighbors that people used to think of. I mean, people used to think of neighbors across the continent were considered neighbors in a way. Now... Some people don't even trust their own neighbors. What about institutions, things that were always there, you know, like police, schools? Well, people start to not trust those anymore either. And then you get scapegoating. Who's to blame for this? Everybody wants to find somebody to blame. And that's common when societies begin to break down. It's, it, it's the Jews' fault. It's the blacks' fault. It's the whites' fault. It's the gays' fault. It's the men's fault. It's the women's fault. Start scapegoating 
looking for a reason for the feeling. What about individual feelings? Just people as individuals. Well, like I talked about before, you know, the panic in the eyes, but the shrugging of the shoulders. There's something behind that. There's an anxiety. And it's accompanied with apathy. So anxiety is scared, like fight or flight. The apathy is like, there's nothing you can do about that. It's stressful. See, with regular anxiety, fight or flight, you do something. Either you put your dukes up and, and you have at it or, or you run away. But it's not there yet, so you just shrug your shoulders and say, what can I do? And then, of course, people can only handle this for so long. So they begin to try and escape. So you get alcoholism, drug use, suicide, even a simple escapism eat too much, play too many video games, indulge, just anything to escape, watch television, go to movies, anything to escape that feeling that things are not right. Ultimately, it leads to a lack of purpose. It becomes down to what's the point? So what causes anime? What causes this feeling? Well, if you look at the dictionary, its enemy is a breakdown of standards, values, and ideals in a society. So what are those? Well, our value system is basically the foundation. It's what a society believes in. Standards? Well, those are your building measurements. Those are... You know, we even have like a standard association. So things are built to a certain standard. Think of a society. What what are the standards we're building for? Ideals? Well, that's what you're building toward. That's your blueprints. That's the part that frames your future. So when all these things start to break down, the result is anime. How? How are society's values attacked? Well, the only way to understand that is you need to look at how a culture is built. What actually builds a culture or a society? What is the foundation of a society? Well, there's lots of different things. And throughout history, you can look at, at, at different things that have built a, a society. Many societies, in fact, all societies ultimately, are built on the family. You have a mother, a father, and they raise children. Those children grow up, and they find another mate, and they marry, and they have children. And if we don't do that, it all ends. A society that decides to no longer procreate ceases to exist as a society. That's just, that's just the law, or not the law, maybe the law of nature. But it's more than that. Each family is the children learn from the example of the parents. So if you have bad parents, then you have a bad example, then you end up with a bad family, and if you get too many of those, well, then things begin to break down. But it's more than that. Families have traditions. 
They have certain things that they do that they carry down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And I remember being a kid and, and, you know, those little family traditions that you have, Oh, we always do this this way. And you think as a kid, it's like, it seems silly, but we get older and you realize that's actually really important because it carries families from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And it's important because it gives you a anchor to the past and, and, something to shoot for in the future but you can even go further than that you can go into like legends and history of families i mean you look at um um i'm sure almost any family history and anywhere in the world and there's histories and legends within families themselves i mean european um governments were built on family even up to uh, like 1917 world war one I, I mean half of the leaders that that were involved in world war one were related so families play a big role what else plays a role faith plays a role faith can and be a societal foundation and and what is faith well faith is belief but it's also tradition and history you know that traditions are handed down generation after generation after generation if they're not then the faith or the religion is forgotten. What else builds societies? Land can just simple geography. Just this piece of ground, doesn't matter whether it's deserts or mountains or jungles or the Arctic, can build a society. And each geog geographical location has history and legend behind it. So that can build a society. And then, of course, we have something, and I left it till last, even though it might be more important, but everybody talks about it so much, race. Race and language. It's a, even goes beyond race. I mean, language is so important. Um, I've been to countries where I was of a different race. I mean, I stood head and shoulders a bunch, a bunch of people that didn't look anything like me, and I couldn't speak their language. It's a really weird feeling you know you're not in your home place when you're in some place that everybody is completely different and speaks a different language. So the language and race, it, it comes down to, you know, the physical, and it comes down, each race has its own history, its own legends, its own abilities, its own physical makeup. So what is a common thing in all these things that I've said? I, I'm sure there might, might be some other things, but I, I'm going to, I mean, these are the big ones. So I'm just going to stick with these four. Family, faith, land, language, and race. And did you see the common things in all that? History, legend, tradition. Those are all things that really, in the end, are a narrative. They are a narrative. They are a story. What is our story? What is our history? So, really, in the end, the presentation, the presentation of the narrative is everything. If you present that narrative in a positive light, well, you bring the good traits of any society forward. You, any society might have made mistakes, 
but you learn from those mistakes. You teach and pass down a sense of pride in the accomplishments of any culture or society. And you encourage the young to emulate and improve on that. So even if the society has made mistakes, you don't, you don't just keep beating away on the mistakes. You, oh yeah, we made mistakes and we got better. And, and if you make mistakes, you got to get better too. Improvement. And the history, obviously, obviously is showcased. I mean, you, you, you show the history. I, I, I mean, you might talk about the bad things, but always it's like, yeah, we did this wrong as a society, but we're going to move forward and do better. So therefore, if you want to move forward in a society, it means building on the foundation that that society has, has put forward. You build on top of what you've done, mistakes and all. You just keep going. So what if you put it in a, in a negative light? Well, you highlight all the bad traits of a society. You teach the young to feel guilt and shame over that society and what it's done. Any accomplishments or good things about the society are downplayed like as either not important or just don't talk about it at all. You scapegoat. You, you oh, yeah, this society, it's because of the, it doesn't matter, X, Y, Z, doesn't really matter. Just blame, blame, blame. And of course, history is completely shadow banned. You just don't even talk about it, hardly. Therefore, moving forward is dependent on destroying the foundation of that society. So, what can we learn from this? How do you destroy a culture? How do you destroy a society? Well, in a word, you destroy a society and destroy a people by spreading lies. They can be big lies, they can be small lies, they can be lies of omission, they can be spun lies, language lies, language lies. Now there's an interesting one. What is a language lie? Well, it comes down to the power of words. I'm not just talking about political correctness here, I'm talking about actually controlling the meaning of words. You know, to control then how people communicate. But if you can control how people communicate in the end, you actually can control how people think. Before we get on to a, a, more, um, uh, a more slippery word, let's just look at something really simple that's just happened in the last little while in our culture. I remember when I was a kid, when they talked about somebody from another country sneaking across the border of, of another country, they were called an illegal alien. That's not that long ago. I would say 15 years ago. Illegal alien. And then that was just subtly switched. It became an illegal immigrant. Okay, well, that, that changes the whole meaning of that. Now, it's been changed. Now it's an un 
documented immigrant. You see the shift there? One explains exactly what it is. Illegal means against the law. Alien, not of that land. It's a totally fine description. But undocumented undocumented immigrant, that just sounds like the paperwork got messed up. So that's a pretty big shift. Now, okay. All right. So that just means they changed labels. But it can even get a little bit more different or weird than that. Let's look at an actual shift in a word that was used a certain way and suddenly it's used in something different. Let's look at the word normal. We're going to talk a lot about that on the enemy patrol. Normal. What does normal mean? Well, <clears throat> there's a big thing now. I mean, you just go on Google, go on, on, on uh, Google Images and look up, why be normal? Question mark. And um, you can buy mugs, T-shirts, and it's all quirky and like, why be normal? Who wants to be normal? You want to be zippy zing you want to be wild you want to be unfettered you don't want to be normal normal is square actually that's exactly what normal is a square the word normal comes from a root word uh, normalis in latin which means built with a square okay so what's your point you might be thinking well the point is is okay if you just want to go out and have fun for a night why be normal? Be quirky. Be weird. Be fun. If you want to build a house, you better get well acquainted with a square. Can you imagine a house that was built if the carpenter said, I don't use squares. I just saw things the way I feel like them. You wouldn't have much of a house. I guarantee it. So there's some times that maybe you should use a square. And there's sometimes maybe a society should think about normal. You want to build your life on quirkiness, I guarantee you it'll be like the house built on quirkiness. And it's even funny, the word has even been bent even more because now the word abnormal is a violent word. To say to somebody in the way they do things, hey, that's, that's just abnormal. Oh, oh, that's violent now. Well, think about that. Think about what it means to be normal. Anyway, might be a little bit down a rabbit trail here, but anyway, you're going to hear that word normal more. Okay, so when did this start? When did this attack on our society start? Or when did this destruction start? Well, that's a really good question. And it, it just begs an analogy. So I'm going to give you a flood analogy. Suppose you had a, a place out in the country, a nice little farm, about five miles from the river and you got flooded out i mean like the water come in and destroyed your farm and somebody asked you when did the flood start well i don't know did it start when it snowed in the mountains an unusual size snowpack 
Did it start when you got the early spring rains that, and warm weather that just the deluge come down and washed all the snow onto the mountains? Did it start when the river popped its banks and come over? Did it start when it reached the edge of your property? Or did it start when it come in the windowsills and the, and the door jams? So it's re really hard to know that question. When did this start? But for our purposes, I'm going to go with the 60s. That's in the 60s was when anything old, anything traditional, anything that some really silly people didn't understand, they decided to just throw it away. Anyway, more about that in later episodes, I'm sure. So why? You might be asking, why? Why is this happening? Well, I think there's multiple agendas here at work, but for our purposes, I'll just say, maybe it's happening because we allowed it. As far as where it goes, well, I'm going to concentrate on Western civilization because as far as I know, that's the place where it's happening the most. But I could be wrong. I, I don't live in India or Southeast Asia or South America, so I'm not sure. So who? Who's the players? Now, this one is really difficult. You could go down a dozen rabbit trails here talking about, like, who caused this. I thought about this and um, I think if you break it down and just say, you know, look at the, for the levers of power. Where's the levers of power in our culture and society? Well, you've got academia. Obviously, you've got government. You've got big technology companies. Even big corporations. You've got big media. These are all the levers of power in our society today. So who's on the other side? Well, now notice this. I'm going to go back to the word normal. The normal everyday people. The people that just want to get through their day. The people that just want to work. They want to raise a family. They want to have a house to live in. They want food on the table. So that's the two sides. And really, historically, this has always been the way. It's only today that normal is bad. Okay, I guess now you have a basic understanding of anime. <clears throat> that feeling, that thing all around us that's affecting people. You kind of understand a rough idea of its causes and effects. Let me tell you something. If you really start thinking about this, if this podcast makes you think be careful you're going to start seeing this everywhere and you're especially going to start seeing this in yourself so what can you do about it how can we get rid of that panic in the eyes and the shrug of the shoulders and how can enemy patrol help you well enemy patrol can't do much but one thing i can do is i can frame the problem as i've started to do today I can shine a light on that boogeyman, you know, the, the one when you were a kid and you were sure there was something bad under your bed and so you had a flashlight and you shine under there's nothing there but dust bunnies. Yeah, 
shining a light helps. And maybe even I can give you some practical advice, and I think I will before this is over. I'm going to give you some, even some physical steps because I don't believe in just talking about stuff. I think a person needs to, you know, do some physical things. So before we get to the very end here, I'm going to give you some, some physical things you can do. Some practical advice and direction toward finding personal agency, taking back your life a little bit. The other thing I can do maybe is give you some encouragement as you move forward, a little bit of rah-rah, tell you that, you know, that life is a gift. It's been given to you. Life is an adventure. You've got you to be able to go out there and, 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 and work with that. And to do that, you need to find some meaning to life and you need to find a purpose in your life, something to do. So if I can provide those things, then I will do that. Okay, before I give you some physical steps to do, because that kind of feels like an ending when I give you some physical steps to do to uh, start you on this road, I can, I'm almost thinking in you, that I can read your mind and you're saying like, who is this guy? Who's this guy calling himself the Anomic Ranger? Well, all right. I don't like talking about myself. I'll tell you that right away. But I suppose I owe you that much since I've been, you know, kind of speaking at you and you've been sitting around the fire here. I guess you should know who sits on the other side of the fire. So that's fine. I'll give you what my, what my role is, what I feel my role in this situation is. And I, I really don't want to be a leader I'm not a minister or a life coach. I don't have a PhD. So think of my role as a scout. As I said at the beginning, I'm your reality scout. Let me be a scout. You know what scouts used to do? You know, they'd ride out and look the lay of the land over and they'd report back information. I kind of like that because that means then you're the general. Your life is your campaign. And the strategy that you choose is yours. But I'll give you as much information and as much um, as you want to take from me. So I suppose I should give you a bit of a bio on myself. Okay, here goes. I'm over five decades old. I'm a Gen X. I'll talk about that in a minute. I'm married. I have two grown children. I've lived a life based in reality. And by what I mean in that is I'm, I haven't lived a, an academic life um, looking at words and books. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just letting you know. All the jobs I've worked required getting my hands dirty. I've mostly lived a rural life, raised animals. I've grown a garden. I've chopped wood. I've kind of homesteaded type thing. Um... Anime Patrol Headquarters is located on the edge of the wilderness. As much wilderness as there is left these days. I'm east of the Rocky Mountains. I'm west of the rest. And I'm far enough south that I don't know any polar bears. I don't have hardly any internet presence. I don't, I'm not really very good with all that. Uh, I've had to get a lot better to do this podcast. It's been a very steep learning curve for me. 
You might say, I'm a computer curmudgeon. What is that you say? Well, it's, it's um, above a troglodyte, and it's even above a luddite, but not too far. So you might be asking, um, what's my motivation for doing this? Well, I had an epiphany one day. I listen to the news a lot. I, I go on the internet. I can run the computer good enough for that. And I had this epiphany about being Generation X. And I realized that I'm kind of in the middle of everything. You know, I had, my grandparents were the greatest generation. I know their mindset. I, I knew them well. I know their stories. I know their history. And the baby boomers were the next generation to come along. And wow, I, well, they were basically the irritating teenagers that knew it all. And a lot of them never grew up. Uh, the millennials, well, I raised two of them. And so I'm a little bit, I know a little bit more about them. And I know some of the challenges that they faced and the changes that they saw. And just far as Gen Z goes, well, I don't know any Gen Zers, but I'd like to get to know more of them. I'm, I'm hopeful about Gen Z. Um, so yeah, this is the epiphany. It's like I can, I can reach from one side of the demographics to the other side of the demographics, and I can tell stories, and I can give advice, and I can tell you what I see. All right, that pretty much ends my first episode, except those physical steps, things you can do. Well, I would say the first thing you got to do if you want to get rid of some of this anime, if you want to get rid of that feeling and start seeing yourself, getting personal agency, seeing yourself for who you are, I would say you get, get off social media and stop looking at the news, at least for a while. Give yourself, at first, try and do a couple hours a day. If you can't do that, try one day a week. Just shut it all off. Just shut it off. Just get away from it. While it's off, go for a walk every day. Just make yourself. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're living in a basement or you're in an apartment in the city or you're out in the country, it doesn't really matter. Just go for a walk. Just get out. While you're on that walk, if you can manage it, Find some nature, something real. <coughs> Excuse me. Go find some woods. Go find a park. Go walk in some grass. Go look at a tree. If you can't do that, then grow some plants on your balcony of your apartment in the middle of the city. If you can't do that, then get a fish tank and at least sit and watch some fish. Just get away from the artificial world that they have made out there. Because social media and the news media and all the stuff you see on television and all the stuff you see on Netflix and all the other stuff coming at you, most of it is artificial. It's not real. So there's just some first few physical, physical steps that you can do. Get out of media completely, completely unplug. Get some exercise, go for a walk, and find some nature every day. Okay, I hope you guys like this. I hope you liked it. You can find me at um, 
anomicranger.com. Um, you can email me at animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. And ultimately, as we end this, what I really want you to think about is that life really is an adventure. And if you can get your mind right and you can get things straightened around in your life right, you can learn to live it that way. Just think about that. Life is an adventure. Live it that way. So until we meet again, keep an edge in your knife and your matches dry. Vea con Dios, okay?